Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. The premier HVAC company in the Midlands is growing. Are you a top HVAC technician? AAA Heating and Air is looking for dedicated applicants to fill their fast-growing service department with top-notch HVAC technicians. If you're the best, then they want you. If you're ready to stop working and start a career, you can earn up to $100,000 a year at AAA Heating and Air. Quality candidates will have at least two years' experience and a good driving record. Benefits include top industry salaries, commission on service and unit sales, set call limits, company-provided take-home vehicle and gas card, company-provided cell phone and tablet, health, dental, and vision benefits, 401k retirement plan with company match and scaled PTO based on length of service. Contact Roy and Dana Finley at 803-677-1500 or check out their job postings on Facebook or ZipRecruiter. Triple A air when you need us. Triple A heating and air. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen with Chris Clark. The 2007 South Carolina class was at that time, sixth in the country and fourth in the SEC. It's just amazing. Wes Mitchell. You know, I think if you're South Carolina, you're you're aiming to, to at least be at 50%. Then in theory, you're adding talent, you're getting better, you're putting yourself in a position to compete. And Tyler Head. It's been a great week for South Carolina. On the recruiting front, still certainly plenty to talk about. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. And welcome into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris along with you on this Thursday morning. Thank you once again to Ellie Ruprick from Gamecock Women's Volleyball for joining us for today's edition of the Garnet Trust Hour. I'll have that up shortly on 1075thegame.com. Uh, guys, it's the start to a busy, busy sports weekend. Of course, we have the Gamecocks baseball team in action tonight taking on LSU. And uh, just teeing off a little over an hour or so ago, the Masters officially underway out at Augusta National. Yeah, great weekend. Number one LSU in town. I am hoping we get to see three games of baseball. That's my biggest concern. Looking outside right now, little overcast. I think we're going to be fine for today, but next couple of days, going to be a little iffy. You don't want to bring in number one all the way from Louisiana and not be able to play the game. So... I am hopeful we see some baseball and that we see three full games, guys. There you go. Thank you. Are you going to give your master's picks? Somebody asked me today. (laughs) No. Somebody asked me on the Insiders Forum on Gamecock Central, and I said, I'll take the field. That was my master's pick. You know, it used to be... Well, you're going to win. I know. be the only thing I ever win. So, you know, it used to be, are you taking Tiger or the field? And that's kind of like diminished over the years. I, there's other guys that have a better shot. I'm just taking the field. Because I'm like the person filling out the uh, bracket for college basketball that hasn't watched a single game all year. That's me. You just pick the coolest color uniform. <laughs> <laughs> the, the maddening thing is those people always do better than me. My bracket was completely shot this year. 
Well, I think everybody's was this Mine year. Mine was shot early. Like, it, it was un, it was really, really early. Like, my yeah. wife took a picture of, our, like, my wife and kids filled out a bracket, too. And mine was, like, on, they threw it on the ground because my Final Four was just wiped out. Well, like you early. know, it, it's funny. And uh, on the in the bonus, we actually had Colin Taylor's wife call in a couple times over the course of the week of the NCAA tournament to give us her updated bracket. She won the family bracket with, like, flying colors over Colin, who's, oh. like, Mr. Analytics when it comes to college basketball. I think that proves that you can know everything in the world about college basketball, but somebody picking off mascot and team colors will usually end up doing better than you. No, I, I think that just proves that Michaela's smarter than Colin. I, I agree. Maybe. Co-sign. And I, I think Colin, if he's smart, if he's smart enough, will agree that she is smarter than him. That is, you know what, I'm, I'm about to be married like you guys, so that's a really good point. Yes. Yeah. Shout out, Michaela. I'm sure you're not listening to our show, just to his. She but. doesn't even listen to his show. <laughs> she ah. would agree, I'm sure, that she's smarter. And again, so should Colin. Hopefully, he's at least that smart. Uh, but no, I, I really, I don't, I don't, I don't have a pick. I'm not going to pretend to have a pick for mm-hmm. all you golfers to enjoy this week because well, I know everybody gets very excited about this. Not that it matters right now. The current leader is Adrian Moronk. Uh, he's uh, on the, He's on. <laughs> He's on the eighth hole right now, but again, uh, only a handful of teed off so far. So yeah. plenty will change over the course of the next few hours and, of course, the weekend. Well, I had uh, I had Scott Stallings. He's in striking distance. Mm-hmm. I did not. Yes, he's currently tied for third. The uh, The weather there is obviously something to watch as well. It's going to be whew, lots of a uh, – there's a system, as the, as the meteorologists say, coming through. But I, I'm with you, Wes. I hope – this baseball, this baseball series, like, is it fair to say it's probably going to be affected by the weather? I mean, in some form or fashion. Um, but I do hope they can get it all in because there's a lot of anticipation and build up to this series for good reason. Um, two really, really good teams. LSU, they have to come to Columbia and play. And South Carolina, we were talking about it yesterday, like, almost forget they have not lost a game at home at Founders Park this year. But LSU comes in as a team that is just, whew, they're really good. And uh, Wes and I were going over some of the stats for their pitcher, Paul Skeens. I think, I hope I didn't mispronounce that. That's correct. And uh, they call it, they call and have a detailed breakdown, Tyler, of the analytics on Paul Skeens for you. Uh, we didn't get to dive too much into him whew. yesterday. I talked with uh, Kendall about him this morning. Yes, his numbers are very, very impressive. They are absolutely ridiculous. Um, transferred from Air Force, which is, uh, I mean, he had a he had a really good career there. But he, he, I mean, he was the conference freshman of the year in the Mountain West in 2021. So it's not like he came out of nowhere. But this guy, I, I mean, the, the way that Mark Kingston described him was probably the b- most accurate description you could have. He just said, hey, if you created a, a picture in a lab. I can I can actually give you exactly what Mark Kingston said about him. Yeah, he looked great. Um, that is Coach Beamer. <laughs> Beamer is impressed <laughs> as well. <laughs> yes, Beamer he, might have some thoughts on Paul Skeens. Here's actually what... He's uh, a really, 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 really good pitcher. He might break the record for reallys. Here's what uh, Coach Kingston had to say about Skeens yesterday. 
Yeah, well, if you were going to design a pitcher in a lab, this is what you'd come up with. Big, strong, physical, power arm, has command, uh, 10 to 1 strikeout to walk ratio, competitive. Um, he came from the Air Force, so you know that, you know, probably he's got a, a lot of discipline to how he goes about his business. So I just think that he checks all the boxes of what a dominant power pitcher should be. Yeah, that is exactly what you were saying. Yeah, I mean, he mentioned that, that like 10 to 1 strikeout to walk ratio sounds great, but when you actually, when you use the, the even bigger numbers, it sounds even more impressive. So he's 44 innings, 44.1 to be more accurate, 83 strikeouts, and uh, just eight walks. And then he's given up only 19 hits, four earned runs all year. He's 5 and 0. And here's another crazy one. Put this in like the something's got to give category. He's given up no homers. Correct. For a Gamecocks team that has hit, what, 72? Um, got it, it, unstoppable force meets immovable <laughs> object. Yeah. I mean, the guy, the guy hasn't even given up. He's given up three extra base hits all year. Three doubles, no triples, no homers. For He's been per- almost unhittable. For perspective, his worst start of the season came last week against Tennessee where he went seven full innings, gave up only five hits, one run, and 12 strikeouts. That's his worst outing of 2023. And one walk. And one walk. Game. Yeah, there was, there was a clip circulating on Twitter from that game where he struck out a Tennessee batter in three pitches. And he oh. went, it was like 100, 101, 100. Something Throwing like that. fireballs. Yes. Yeah. I have questions. So, <laughs> some, this doesn't pass the smell test. All right. My man was a lab-created pitcher and ended up at Air Force. So some, something something is off here. So I'm, I'm doing my research here. There's always... If a guy, like, a guy like that does not just end up at Air Force, it just doesn't happen. Right. So it appears <laughs> he actually was recruited more as a position player and has grown into being the pitcher that he is. Because you, you don't... Those guys generally, if you are, if he was this good, he wouldn't have gone to Air Force, and he would, would have probably just gone to the major leagues out of high school. But looking right now, he was actually pretty highly rated out from Perfect Game, but not like top twenty in the country, four hundredth overall, ranked as a catcher. And if you look at his bio at Air Force, um, my suspicions have been confirmed. He did. <laughs> He did pitch as his time there went along, but if you go back and look at his early time there, he was a relief pitcher, but it appears kind of a guy who was playing as a position player or DH for them. So he um, has come into his own as a pitcher, but I'm guessing a lot of times these 6'6 guys probably was pretty skinny out of high school and just, I mean, he's 247 now. And probably has just put on a lot of yeah, weight, and that has led to an increase in velocity. It, would it, be my guess. It looks like two forty-seven of straight muscle. Yeah, but he was. Do you still have his perfect game? How big he was? Six six. What in high school? Or it says six six two thirty. So that was dude. That was big catcher. Massive catcher. That's a massive catcher. Yeah. Wouldn't want a collision at the plate with him. It says catcher, first base, third base. And then he, he does have right-handed pitcher listed on the bio, but he's ranked as a catcher. So he pretty much went to Air Force with the ability to just do it all and just 
transformed into this great pitcher while he was there. Utility guy, yeah, yeah. basically. But fastball velocity listed out of high school, 91. So he's improved on that a little bit. Yeah. Let me make a, you know how I hate player comparisons? Let me make one. Okay. Kenley Jansen, former catcher, right? Converted to a pitcher. He's about yeah. 6'5", 250, big dude. Who has Kenley's lost some velocity over the years, but that was his thing, just power, power pitcher. But this dude, I mean, Jay Johnson, the LSU head coach, called Skeens the best college baseball player he'd ever seen. And this is not a guy that just like has been a coach for two years or has been some lower level coach. Like he's, this is a guy that's been to Omaha like two or three times. So he's, he's seen a lot of really good players. Now, the other side of this, is that like Paul Skeens has seen some good teams? Who've they played so far? A and M, Tennessee. Tennessee. Like they've played some really, really good competition, and he's been he's still remained dominant. Tyler, you mentioned that stat. Yep. I mean his his quote unquote poorest game against Tennessee. Ridiculous stats: seven innings, one one run, five hits, one 12, walk, twelve strikeouts. Twelve strikeouts. Is it still fair to say, though, that this is the best team, the best lineup he will have faced? I think you can make a good argument for that. Well, I think it's going to be very important for there to be a big crowd for Carolina tonight. And I think the fan base, whichever these games get in, you know, and I'm looking right now. The weather doesn't look, I mean, there was a time this thing seemed insurmountable. Looking now at the percentages, if you break it down hourly the next couple of days, there, there's a chance that we get these games in. So, Gamecock fans, go pack that stadium. I, I think this is a weekend you can make an impact. And this just just feels like the South Carolina baseball that I grew up with. Like, this feels like, like it used to be if a big-time SEC opponent was coming to Columbia, you knew that they were going to get a shot from South Carolina. And whether South Carolina was up, down in the in the you know in the middle for what they normally are Carolina was going to be willing to fight them and it was going to be a tough trip it's kind of gotten away from that a little bit for a couple of years well I think you see what South Carolina has done so far obviously and there's a huge opportunity on a big scale nationally yep. among college baseball powers to make a statement you already made a little bit of a statement on Tuesday I think on paper this is one of the biggest weeks of the year. Now, you're going to have a bunch of big weeks as this thing goes on. Sure. But to play North Carolina, neutral site game, then play number one at home, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Easter weekend. We we need these games to happen, and Carolina needs to play well, obviously. That series does start tonight at 7 o'clock. Uh, first pitch can be heard right here on 107.5 The Game. Pre-game coverage could be getting uh, starting at 6.45, and again, we hope we'll get the games Throughout the weekend, Friday night will also be at 7 o'clock and then noon on Saturday. We'll come back on the other side and continue to preview this matchup on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 The Game. Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. And welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs, Tyler, Wes, and Chris. Along with you on this Thursday, a uh, very important update. Colin did inform us that Michaela was listening in the last segment when we gave her a shout-out. So 
That proves the point that she does not listen to her own husband's show, but she does listen to the Gamecock Central Take a Row, presented by Firehouse Subs. Did, did she agree that she is smarter than Colin, or did Colin agree with that? Now, now Colin did not give any context on that. He just acknowledged that they were listening, and okay. she heard it. All right. So I don't know. Fair if you, enough. I don't know if you've checked your phone yet or not. I think he group texted all of us. Uh, yeah, I missed that. Uh, back to this baseball series this weekend again. First pitch coming up against LSU tonight at seven o'clock, right here on one hundred seven five. The game pregame coverage starting at six forty-five. Will Sanders back in the starting lineup, going to get the nod starting again tonight. Of course, he took last weekend off with Eli Jones getting the game one start against Mississippi State. We've talked about it all season. He hasn't had that quintessential. Will Sanders start? You know, he seemed to have been in good spirits, and the morale's been good with him in these few days he's had off. Can he get back to form tonight against the number one team in the country? Well, I mean, it is a test, obviously. And it's not, I think if you're Carolina, there's a scenario where maybe you would have eased him back in, you know, with a midweek opportunity. But I, I think with Noah Hall not being listed as a starter this week, then. You kind of, your hand was forced a little bit. He's one of your most talented guys. There's a reason he was your ace to start the year. They gave him this mental slash physical break last week. So now it's, hey, go see what you can do against the number one lineup in the country. And, you know, it's hard to put kind of a, I guess, finger on exactly what has been up with Will this year. Way too many walks. Um, you know, a lot of his pitches, the games I've watched, have just been a little too good, almost. Like, you you want to be able to throw strikes, obviously, but you have to throw strikes not down the middle. And I, I think his fastball has gotten hit a lot this year, and he just has not looked like the guy that we saw, really, for, for most of his career, even as a freshman and sophomore. Um, the numbers are obviously up. You look at last year. 91 strikeouts in 89 innings pitched. So you're talking about, you know, at least one strikeout per inning. Didn't really seem to walk a ton of guys last year. This year has been lots of free passes and just, I, I don't know, he has not looked quite comfortable. So, you know, big opportunity for him. And if you're Carolina, it's, it's kind of unreal that they've been able to win as many games as they've had so far without – their guy, you know, their dude being what you need him to be on paper. There's a little more pressure with Noah Hall's sort of situation up in the air on them to figure this out with Will Sanders. Luckily, you do have depth in this pitching rotation and bullpen to where they've been able to kind of weather this storm so far. Here, Here's my question. Who do you go with? Let's say Hall doesn't go this weekend at all. Let's say he he rests the back or the back doesn't feel good enough to go. You obviously have Sanders going in game one. You have Jack Mahoney game two. Who do you go to in game three? I'm mm. intrigued by James Hicks. He's been really good. He's had some starts this year. He's come out of the bullpen some this year. He has starting experience. Right. I'd be tempted to go with him. Now, the other part of this is LSU's really good. Yep. So you may be thinking, you know, game one, Let's say Sanders gets knocked around a little bit. Now you got to go to the bullpen. You know, do you want to bring Hicks out in that situation? Do you, are are you already going into this series thinking, hey, we're we're going to go with James in Game Three? That limits your bullpen options a little bit. Yeah, I think you have to play it by ear as it goes along. I, I think if Sanders gets knocked around 
and you're down, you save, you know, you don't say it, but yeah. internally you save who you're feeling like for game three. Yep. If you're in this game, I, I'm more apt, and I think they will be too, I'm more apt to burn my guy if I'm in the game and I see the opportunity to go win game one. Right. You know, if Sanders gets knocked around and then, you know, create a player for LSU ends up just shutting you down and you're down four or five nothing middle of this game, you know, you can go to somebody that's not in line to be a starter or even a high leverage guy this weekend. But if I have an opportunity to take down number one right. and I need to cover the, the thing about Hicks, he can cover three, four innings for you. So if I see, it's kind of like, all right, where's my opportunity at? You have to win one game this weekend. You want to win two, but you have to win one. If I see that there's blood in the water, I go ahead and burn whoever I got to burn. If I'm down, I live to fight another day. And off of that, with Saturday's game being the most doubtful of all of them this weekend, if you are seriously doubting you're even going to get a third game where you have to worry about somebody starting, are you maybe more a little trigger happy on, you know, putting somebody into these tonight, especially tonight, or if we get a game in tomorrow, assuming maybe you don't even have that third game? I think these are all things that <laughs> Kingston and Justin Parker are paid the big bucks to consider as they manage this team and manage this staff. Luckily, you just have so many arms. Like it, This is not last year's team. Like they, They've shown in every single way this is not last year's team. Last year's team... You had to, you had to manage everything perfectly every weekend, and then it was still tough to win. I feel like this. You have a little bit of margin for error to steal Chris's phrase because you have so many good pitchers, and you didn't, you know, you didn't, you used several guys to beat North Carolina, but nobody that just is completely out this weekend either. I don't think so. It, it sets up well for you. I, I do think you consider the rain, but I think you also, for the most part go into this saying, do I have an opportunity to win this game? Am I up? Am I down big? All, all those things are going to play into your decision-making process. But, um, you know, I, I think if Hicks isn't used the first two, he probably does make the most sense for Saturday because you – and you got to get Noah Hall healthy. Right. Like, I think that's the big picture thing. If there's any chance whatsoever that – he can further tweak this thing. I, I think you got to sort of give him, just give him this weekend. And have we heard anything else regarding Hall since his start last weekend? I mean, just that he's not listed to start this week. Right. Um, you know, has had a back issue. I don't have the quote in front of me. I know Kingston gave an, an injury update uh, with his press conference earlier this week. And um, the, the big news coming from that was actually that, um, Carson Hornig should be available this week. So you're getting some of your depth back. But, um, yeah. This is where those big buck decisions that Wes talked about start coming in. I mean, they've had a pretty, especially compared to last year, you know, when they were just kind of, especially the pitching staff decimated by injuries, just didn't have enough depth. They've have, they have more of it this year, and that's helped them weather the storm but this has also been a team that's been quite healthy so far and their depth their talent their health has allowed them to turn in the record that they have so far despite like Wes said not having Will Sanders your Friday night guy Thursday night this time be 
a dominant force that he could be. Um, now you, you've got some more questions, right? And you got these questions going into this already. It's been a difficult slate. It's not like it's been easy, but now you're going into the real, real meat of your schedule with LSU and you're going to start playing some other top five teams soon. You've been kind of fringe, right, in, in the top 25 or outside of it. Now you're really getting into it. So now you've got a situation where not only do you have a question mark with Hall, you've now got, okay, what type of Will Sanders, which version of Will Sanders do we get? Can we go back to the the best version of him that's, you know, the number 18 player in MLB.com's uh, prospect rankings for 2023? Do you get that guy? Can you get Hall healthy? You do have Horning back, but you've, you've got some other health questions on this team. McGillis obviously still out, so a little bit more adversity now hitting for this team. Tyler, before we hit a break, let me tell everybody about the sub of the day from Firehouse Subs. It is the spicy Cajun chicken. Maybe you've never heard of this one. Maybe you've never had it. I highly recommend checking it out. It's a nice little change-up on this Thursday. Go to firehousesubs.com. You can order it using the Rapid Rescue there. The sub of the day, there's one every day of the week from Sunday through Monday. It's $7.99 for a medium. Or you can get the small. I recommend just go ahead and get the medium. You can also download the Firehouse Subs app, which I have, and you can earn points on every single one of your purchases. You can do that. Firehousesubs.com, the Rapid Rescue, or through the app and order the sub of the day from Firehouse Subs today is the Spicy Cajun Chicken. All 14 of the Midlands Firehouse Subs locations has that. The NCAA is getting drugged back into the courtroom for the millionth time, it seems like, this time involving a current Carolina Panther. We'll talk about it next on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 The Game. Presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen, with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head, on your home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. And welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Here on 107.5 The Game, Tyler West and Chris along with you on this Thursday morning. Happy first day of the Masters. We'll certainly talk a little bit about more, a little more about that later on in the show. Mentioned before the break, though, Chuba Hubbard, a current Carolina Panther, is involved in a new antitrust lawsuit being levied against the NCAA this was uh, filed on Tuesday in reference to past educational payments for student-athletes. This stems from the NCAA versus Alston case in which a U.S. district court in Northern California ruled against the NCAA requiring uh, it to allow schools to provide about $6,000 in non-cash education-related benefits beyond scholarships to its student-athletes. Hubbard, as well as a former Oregon and Auburn track and field athlete, T, uh, Kiera McCarroll are uh, involved in this antitrust suit, advising that they did not receive any benefits from their respective schools after this was uh, put into effect. Yeah, this is, uh, I don't know. I, the NCAA, I don't want to say it's, it is in trouble. And when I say that, I don't mean it's in trouble of you know, folding, going under. I think that might be a little extreme. Right. But certainly we know. And it is not a controversial, far-fetched statement to say that their model and the current way that they operate is certainly in trouble. Um, and I think people are just kind of tiring of the NCAA and how they operate and how they act. You know, um, a lot of the things 
that were fed by the NCAA to the masses about why there could be no NIL and why this had this notion had to be fought against at all costs. A lot of those narratives have been debunked. They're just they're just not true. Um, well, there's not enough money. That's not true. Especially when you look at the fact that Mark Emmer, I don't know what Charlie Baker, the new president of the NCAA, don't know what he'll be making. It's certainly going to be more than what he made as a, as a politician. But it's probably going to be in the same neighborhood as what the same Emmer was which making. Was, what, $3 million a year? Yes, to do effectively nothing. <laughs> to do absolutely nothing. Uh, the NCAA makes gobs of money. Not, they're not the ones deal, doling out these NIL deals. But there, there's plenty of money to go around is the point. Um, a lot of the things that they have fed to the people, the, the biggest one being that was debunked right after the NCAA tournament, basketball tournament. Well, if athletes are paid, people aren't going to watch anymore. And even some people who, just, just fans who are, uh, did not like the concept of NIL said that. Well, that's completely false, right? And we've seen this in a lot of different, we've seen this in other sports. Hey, if the NFL does this, I'm not going to watch anymore. Yep, not true. Ratings continue to go up and up and up. only gone up. And so the, the fact of the matter is that college sports are as entertaining as ever, and people are going to continue to watch. Um, the NCAA for years has fought against athletes being compensated so much that I feel like once the floodgates open, it is really, really open. And so to set the stage and to go back a little bit, the Austin case was a case in which – you know, the NCAA was basically sued and lost. The NCAA lost. And now athletes are allowed to be given optionally some academic benefit money um, for basically doing well up to $5,980 a year. And South Carolina is one of the schools actually that gives this money, which has been a pretty big benefit to them on the recruiting trail. Um, and so now this newest case seeks back pay. And the numbers are pretty staggering. And this stems, why is Chuba Hubbard involved? Because NCAA restrictions prevented Oklahoma State, where he played his college ball at, from offering him the ability to make this money that we're talking about. Yep. So now being sued for back pay, there's another case called House um, that is seeking back pay for athletes for NIL-related monies. And so looking at the, uh, the case that you're talking about, Tyler... The minimum um, damages that are being sought, $200 million, but as much as $1 billion, uh, at least five. The, the, the contention is that at least 5,000 athletes are owed two years of back Austin money payments. And so, uh, by the way, amazing law firm name, Hagens, Berman, Sobel, Shapiro, LLP. But this... You know, the NCAA is finding itself with more and more lawsuits. And why are they going to Congress? Why have they consistently punted any NIL issues to Congress? It's because, experts think, they really, really, really need an antitrust exemption because that can help shield them from a lot of this stuff. And there's even some rumor out there that they need this antitrust exemption to even be able to enforce some of this NIL guidance right. that they've tried to put in place. I'm going to play the role right now of someone driving in the car 
listening to this conversation by asking y'all some questions because I'm confused by the whole thing. And I think that there might be some other people who are equally as confused. So let me get this straight. So Hubbard right now is, and this other person, basically they are suing on the behalf of everyone else as well. Like they want other people to jump into this as a class action lawsuit and be like, oh, I, I fit this same category. The way that I understand it, yes. Okay, so some schools have already been doing this. South Carolina is one of them that has been paying student athletes this new amount that is allowed via this ruling from 2019. Yes. Um, So Oregon State, when this ruling was made, did they become a school that decided to give their athletes this amount of money? Does anybody know? So uh, what Hubbard is alleging is that NCAA restrictions for a school like Oklahoma State prevented them from doing this. Now, I don't see what the detailed restrictions were. Um, his, His main point is they were not able to do this because of the NCAA, and I'm assuming both Oregon and Auburn as well because of uh, Kiara McCarroll um, also being involved in this were another schools that uh, prevented this from happening. So is he saying that even after the ruling, for some reason Oklahoma State was not able to do this? That's what it sounds like. that he's trying to get back pay from before the ruling? I think it's retroactive to the ruling. Retroactive right up to the date of the ruling? Yeah, I think the ruling was, what, 19? Yeah, 2019. I don't have a specific date in 2019. Now, Chuba Hubbard did play at Oklahoma State from 17 to 21. So there's years on both sides of that for him. So I guess my question is then what was... What was keeping Oklahoma State from being able to, if the NCAA, if there was this ruling that said the schools were allowed to pay, then you're asking, you know, because it was optional on the part of the schools, yes, to offer the rewards. Yeah, that's a good question. I think we'll have to let the attorneys sort that out. Yeah, and I'm not finding anything (laughs) specific on what these restrictions are. Just everything that I've read so far said. NCAA restrictions, but they've not detailed what those exact restrictions are. Yes, I I feel like this is something where we're trying to talk about it from a sports standpoint, but as far as whether this has any actual traction whatsoever, it's going to depend on these details. Is he saying that the NCAA was restricting this prior to making the ruling, so I, I won't from prior to that as well, or is he saying, hey, these restrictions kept Oklahoma State from being able to do this, or do we find that Oklahoma State could have been doing this, but they chose not to? All these things, I believe, are going to determine yeah. whether this is like a frivolous thing or whether this has some actual merit. Yeah, and and Wes, I think maybe this sentence from um, our guy Ross Dellinger's story might shed a little light on this. So it seeks damages on behalf of current and former uh, Division One college athletes from injuries suffered from rules found to be unlawful in the Austin litigation. So I think the way to look at this is the NCAA literally prevented schools t- from having the opportunity to offer this because they had certain rules. 
you can't pay athletes for this thing, that thing. That was found to be unlawful in the Austin case. The Austin case, the courts basically ruled, hey, NCAA, you're full of it. If schools want to offer athletes these benefits up to $5,980 a year, they are able to do that. And so it goes back to that period. So you could say 2018, for instance. It goes back to that period where Chuba Hubbard and others are saying, hey, Oklahoma State or my school could have offered me this, but y'all, the NCAA literally didn't allow it. Does that answer the... I, so I it's, it's back before the ruling. Yeah, it's before the ruling. Well, then in this case, if this takes off, where's the cutoff? Like, what keeps somebody from saying... Well, what about five years ago? What about 10 years? What about 15? And that's why they're saying the potential payouts to this could enter the billions as more and more athletes join into it because it's a huge number. Well, the the House versus NCAA case is a little different, but it it seeks a lot of things, actually. So it is actually uh, claiming that athletes are owed NIL pay, NIL-related pay, dating back to 2016. So now I don't know, I don't have the specifics on those cases. Maybe it's because of the people filing suit. That's when they were in college. I'm not really sure. Like how you, because why 2016, why not 15? Why not 10? Why not 1999? Really don't know the answer to that. But it also seeks revenue sharing, which the NCAA explicitly prohibits right now for athletes from television deals. Um, They're also, we're seeing in the state of Oklahoma, there's an NIL-related bill, bill that basically would override the NCAA's interim guidance for all its member schools. Uh, there's also, in California, there's a bill out there that's been proposed that would require schools uh, to share revenue with athletes. And we've seen California very early, they were in on the whole NIL. You know, I mean, they, they really got that ball rolling. So... If California ends up passing that, if Oklahoma ends up passing their NIL bill, you could see, you know, some other states start to follow suit there. So, of course, the NCAA is going to fight this and they're going to claim that the revenues aren't there. And if this ball gets rolling down the hill, they're going to be out billions of dollars. And I mean, that could end up being true. They're going to argue they don't have the money. Of course, attorneys are going to argue that they do have the money. I mean, one of the attorneys quoted in Ross's story mentions that that sentiment's just like total nonsense because, you know, I mean, you look at the Big Ten's uh, media rights contract, it's a billion dollars a year. Right. So their argument is there's plenty of money to go around. It's not going to completely cripple the organization. And this wouldn't hit court until at earliest 2024. So there's still a lot of details to come out from this. And obviously it would be a long, drawn out process as this case (laughs) goes on. So there's still plenty to learn. That's the facts that we know right now so far. Yeah, plenty to learn. And look, what this does mean, it would be good for everyone if there was some type of uniformity. The uniformity that we had before was not good because it completely shut out athletes from, you know, things like revenue sharing that are still not on. I mean, they're on the table, but they're they're not allowed. Right now they have NIL. There are obviously problems right now for both sides. So the question is, can everyone come to some court sort of consensus that everybody's going to be decently happy with for some newer uniform policy? I think that's the biggest question. Right. 
Come back on the other side, wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Hubs. I want to get Wes and Chris's take on what their Masters Champions Dinner menu would look like. We'll talk about it next. 107.5 The Game. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks. 1075 The Game. And welcome back in to the Games Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris along with you on this opening day of the Masters Round One. Well underway, currently being led by Victor Hovland and Cameron Young, but it is still very, very early on. Plenty of groups still set to tee off as the day goes along. Kendall and I talked about this in the 9 o'clock hour. Scotty Scheffler had his champion's dinner the other day, and uh, he had a pretty, I'd say, basic menu, but some very good stuff. Cheeseburger sliders, firecracker shrimp, tortilla soup, Texas ribeye steak, and capped it off with a warm chocolate chip skillet cookie. Uh, for one, how do you guys rate this menu and what would be on your champion's dinner menu? I mean, I really can't, I can't hate on the menu. <laughs> he, he brought, I mean, all right, with all those things, it's really based on the quality of those particular things, it's right? Like, true. if you got the right person to provide those things, then Which yes. I trust Augusta National to whip up some pretty good food. I would think and hope so. Um, you know, if you had the wrong person, then, eh, you know, we'll see, but... As far as on the surface, uh, I'm I'm all aboard his selections. Here's a question: What are the limitations on like number of things? Um, are there any? Not that I know of. Like, I want seven different things. Maybe there is a rule. I don't know. But I, I I'm do not aware. know. I do know early um, early on for the Masters. So there was like a standard menu. Um, and it was like beef, chicken, or fish. Yeah. You know, type of thing. Like it's almost like when you go to a wedding, it's like you can pick the chicken, you can pick the steak, and you will pick one of those. And then it kind of changed where you can pick anything. No, I'm, I'm a fan of the menu. There's good variety there, you know, between the between the steak, you got some firecracker shrimp, you got sliders. It's almost like a, one of those, I don't know, one of those menus you see. I don't, I'm not going to give well, out free advertising to anybody. I, I, uh, I said this gave off like, 12-year-old at a buffet kind of vibe. Oh, like just grabbing a little bit of everything. I love it. Well, I think you have to You have to do that. Like, you got to go over the top. Yeah, for sure. You won the Masters. Yeah. Has anybody ever just put like, hey, tell you what, put one of those pimento cheese sandwiches on a plate for me. That's a good he, question. He should have added that, like the whole a whole sandwich tray from Augusta National. I would, um, I would probably put pizza on mine, though. Okay. Deep dish pizza? Did you hear that story, Wes, last hour? Ellie Ruprick is, like, from Michigan and didn't know what Detroit-style pizza was until she had it and was like, oh, okay, this is Detroit-style. At what point did she... I think she said college. Yeah, well, she was down the street she just at one like, of the pizza places. She just, like, realized, like, okay, she was just used... She had had Detroit-style pizza. Oh, so that was she just, just what pizza she was. was. She was not she had, Yeah, that was pizza. Like, that was her favorite type of pizza, and she didn't realize, okay, this is Detroit-style. She said she knew about Chicago, New York. The other one was just, like, regular pizza to her. Mm. Pretty funny stuff. So you put pizza on yours? Yes, absolutely. What about you, Wes? All right, I mean, I think... Um, and I, I was going to say this before Chris even said it. I want as my appetizer some pimento cheese, like okay, little yeah. triangles. 
Which I don't think that'd be a problem. It's clearly plenty yeah. of them there. Scheffler's whole menu is appetizers, though. It kind of is. Oh, I kinda. mean, you got a ribeye steak rib and redfish. And then, I, so I want some fettuccine Alfredo. Okay. And then some steak to eat with that. All right. I'll take, I'll take ribeye. I'll take filet. Either one. <laughs> all in. And then some garlic bread. Ooh, that's a good one. Some sweet tea. Yes. Maybe an adult beverage. And then I like I like the skillet skillet chocolate chip cookie. Great idea. I threw lava cake out there too. That's another good lava option. Lava cake, always great. But if this is like my my meal, yeah, whatever I want, I'm going peanut butter pie. Ooh, yeah. I that that's a good one. That peanut butter pie that you served at your um at your dinner. It's really good. I'm a big peanut butter dessert guy. I, so. I'm right there with you, man. It tastes like a giant Reese cup. Best stuff ever. I I don't I don't have anything else to add to the menu. You're no. just getting a pizza? Oh, I didn't give my full menu. Well, I don't, I don't know the limitations. I mean, I could there say... There are here, no limitations. I, if is, I could just <laughs> list it off, be like 20... All right, I'd have buffalo wings for my appetizer. Okay. So you're going full on like... Sports party here. Yeah, we're have, we're having sports bar. You have some mozzarella sticks. <laughs> no, 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 no mozzarella sticks. That's too far. We're gonna have wings. We're gonna have queso um, for an appetizer, and then we're just gonna have a nice steak, like some steak, asparagus, and mashed potatoes. That kind of be our main course. I realize these don't match. It doesn't matter. No, it, I mean, hey, these, and then what, um, what he has doesn't really match either. For dessert, I'm gonna have like a really bomb cheesecake. Okay, it's fair. It's my favorite. I'd throw out, I'd go with like maybe like a chicken parm or something as like the main dish. Feel like that's that's a little bit classy, right? Yeah. And given the fact that I won the Masters, you know, I know like green bean casserole is kind of like a Thanksgiving Christmas thing, but I'd probably want some of that too as a side. Green. I, Turn I your feel, mic back on. I feel like, Tyler, you're doubting your choice, choices here a little bit. You won the Masters. You get whatever you want. They... You you can literally any if you want a salad, which I hope you don't. I don't. Yeah, get a salad. If you want chicken parm, then yeah, roll chicken parm. Okay, like, all right. So I will confidently say chicken parm is my main. There you then. go. It's yours. Congrats on well, winning the Masters. When, when I win the Masters, Ellen, I'll be sure to invite you guys to this dinner. Yes, thank you. I'm in. I got to really step up my golf game though. Hey, I got no shot. So. All right, that'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tomorrow, we'll be out at Steel Hands Brewing from 9 to 12 doing a full three-hour show. Uh, the three of us and Colin Taylor will join us as well, so be sure to check that out. Halftime show coming up next right here on 107.5 The Game.